passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. TDN Fantasy listeners, do you want to win some money in weekly fantasy sports this year? Well, check out our friends over at Owner's Box. You can join their latest contest for free by using the code DREW9. That is DREW9, as in Drew Brees. And you can win some money today. We've talked in the show about how much money I was able to win in their week one contest. You can join in on the fun now. Win some money of your own by going on ownersbox.com or downloading the Owner's Box app on your device. Make sure you join and get your lineups in today. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, fresh off of finishing the Sunday night football game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. We are here to recap all of the week two action, and we're going to talk about that fantastic uh, end to week two action, at least the Sunday slate, a little bit later on in the show. But a lot of interesting football to get to here on the show, a lot of interesting fantasy fantasy storylines to discuss. We got injuries, we got quarterback, just there's so much stuff to get into gentlemen so we got a lot of games to break down here over the next hour or so but before we do that got to tell everybody about our friends over at bet online they are back and better than ever all eyes on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season as always bet online your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface even more odds props jamie eisner loves him loves him those player props in the nfl slate contest bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Use the promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, gentlemen, we got lots of games to get to. Let's just let's just jump right into it. I have the list in front of me, so if the order, if you don't like the order, blame ESPN because I'm going in the order that they have here. The first game up for us to discuss the Bears with a 20 to 17 win over the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think the obvious storyline that we need to talk about here is the Andy Dalton injury, him being removed from the game, Justin Fields being in this football game. And then we can talk about the struggles that the Bengals had until late in this game, specifically the fourth quarter when they got both of their touchdowns. Jamie, I'll go to you here first. I think all eyes this week are going to be on what the heck is going on with the Chicago quarterback situation. Yeah, Andy Dalton leaves the game with a knee injury. All they've said so far is that they, they've ruled out an ACL. That, that's as far as that we've heard so far. So we'll see what happens as the testing gets done earlier in the week. From a fantasy perspective, here's how I look at this. Uh, if Justin Fields ends up starting next week against the Browns, he targeted Darnell Mooney a lot in this game. Like He was somebody that was watching this. That Mooney appeared to be his favorite target. It's one game. It's a part of one game. But something to be aware of. Six for 66. 
Uh, you know, he hit Allen Robinson for a big play almost that didn't end up counting there. He he caught a touchdown from Andy Dalton in the first quarter, but uh, a pretty quiet day for him. But from the Bears side of things, uh, look, the reality is, is you weren't starting Andy Dalton unless you were in a multi-quarterback league anyway. And even then you probably weren't starting him. Um, you know, if you have Justin Fields, you're probably not starting him next week unless you have a multi-quarterback league where everybody's starting anyway. Uh, so there's really not a lot of actionable items there. The one note is, though, is Darno Mooney it was a significant contributor once Justin Fields went into this game. Bears fans, rejoice. You got what you asked for. But be careful what you asked for. He's still a rookie, and he looked pretty freaking bad in this game against a Bengals defense, which is not anywhere near what he's going to face next week in the Browns and the stretch that the Bears have coming up. Six of 13, 60 yards, a pick, two sacks, and a QBR of 4.4. Yes, he can run around and make things happen. Yes, your offensive line sucks. The only thing I think this really helps is David Montgomery because they're going to run some read option stuff, and he looks explosive. He looks phenomenal. I don't know what you're getting in this receiving game. I don't know that it helps you. Like, I get that your 100-year history of quarterback really kind of is the worst in the NFL, and he is the Messiah savior of what's coming next. I just wouldn't expect that much for the next eight weeks, James. Like, they got some games coming up. Now, everybody thought it would yeah. be what, next week against Detroit or the week after yeah. that, whatever it was, and then or it two, is yeah, like murderer's row for a while. Yeah, although the, the Browns defense doesn't exactly look as intimidating now as it did at the start of the season after Kansas City and Houston both beat them up. But uh, on the other side, I want to talk about the Bengals for a second. Good bounce back game for Tyler Boyd. Uh, uh, isn't a friend of the show, but probably should be the way we talk about him. Seven for 73. More of a uh, friend this week. Game. Yes. Uh, he gets catches to be a friend touchdown. this week. Exactly. Jamar Chase has, an, has a lo- another long touchdown. This is kind of what I expect. Now, the stats might be in different orders, but this is what I was talking about in the preseason where I think both Boyd and Higgins and Chase can all be fantasy relevant as top 30 guys in the same week because the Bengals are going to throw a bunch. And and even in this game, when they only threw 30 times, they still all were very fantasy relevant. Mixon was okay, not great in this game, but the game script didn't really allow him to be great, did not get targeted much in the passing game. But uh, it, it's it's interesting here. And Joe Burrow, who had the longest interceptionless streak coming into this week, throws what three picks on four consecutive passes or something like it was it was crazy. Yeah, this game uh, certainly didn't go the Bengals' way. They were fighting uphill the whole time. They were able to finally get something going offensively in the fourth quarter of this game, but it was too little, uh, too late. Uh, Browns, they beat the Texans. We were just talking about them, 31-21. This this game had all sorts of ups and downs. You had Baker, what looked like a really bad shoulder injury on the interception he threw, and you thought that he wasn't going to come back into this game. He does. Tyrod all of a sudden pulls up with a hamstring injury. That looked, and he's out of the game. Davis Mills comes in. On a touchdown run. On a touchdown run, which it seemed weird when he walked in. He kind of walked in extremely gingerly. I was confused at the time. And then obviously we found out later that that's what he was hurt. That was what was going on there. And then, Jamie, I think the interesting thing to talk about here is Brandon Cooks, man. And this is another QB proof for him. QB proof. Nine receptions, 78 yards, and a touchdown with Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills throwing him the football today. So I think we got to start talking about him a little bit more. Yeah, he's been really, really good. And it's always been injuries with him. Like, that's been the biggest question mark throughout his career is how, what his availability is going to be. The fact that he continues to perform with just, I mean, Jared Goff and, and Tyrod Taylor and all this, it's, it's remarkable. Like, he was the only Houston, really, anybody that did anything in this game other than Tyrod. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm a little, the biggest thing from this game for me is more on the Brown side. You know, Jarvis Landry leaves this game with a knee injury. We're not sure how long he's going to be out. It doesn't sound like it's going to be short term, but again, we never know this early on. 
the Browns need somebody in that receiving core to step up. Donovan Peoples-Jones has played a lot of snaps, has done almost nothing. Anthony Schwartz, after kind of bursting onto the scene last week, was not nowhere to be seen in this matchup. Nowhere to be you know, seen. Demetrius Felton had some a couple of really good plays, but he's not going to be a regular for them. And then you've got, you know, you know, when Joku only gets two catches here, Hooper's using a little bit more. Like at some point, they're going to need the wide receivers on this team to step up if they're going to get to where they want to go. And if Jarvis Landry's out and it's the combination of Higgins and Peoples Jones and Anthony Schwartz playing in this game next week against the Bears, I don't know what to expect from those guys because you, you'd imagine there's room there to be productive, but it's just you're not seeing much from those guys. This is interesting to me. Nick Chubb gets out carried by Kareem Hunt, but he's averaging 8.6 yards a carry. Yeah, he had to be your workhorse. Give the man the ball. This was stupid. There was a point in this game where he had like nine carries and the Browns were like losing and he was tearing it up every time he touched the ball. Like this was a the Browns were unbelievably flat in this game on both sides of the ball for the vast majority of it. It was a very odd game for them. And but. Give some credit to David Culley to getting his guys. I didn't know much about him, but you look at this Houston team, they didn't they do not have enough talent to be hanging around like they are. I mean, this but is their coach. Well. I gotta give him at least a little credit. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you this much about David Culley. When he got the job, my dad called me and said, put out a damn tweet. Tell my man congratulations. He's well, well overdue and a damn good coach. He's gonna put a good staff together. They're extremely well coached because they are the least talented team I've watched so far. But they don't beat themselves. They're not making a lot of mistakes. Guys, let's go back to this Brandon Cook thing for a second. 14 targets, nine catches. Yeah. I'll read you off who was second. Everybody else of the team. One catch, one catch, one catch, one catch. David Johnson had two. One catch, one catch, one catch, one catch, one catch. He is the yeah, entire nobody, offense in his quarterback room. Nobody else had more than two targets. And he has this, this is the craziest stat line I've ever seen. And by the way, the Texans could have won this game if Terod yes. played the second half. Like mm-hmm. Tyrod is a 10 of 11 for 125 and a touchdown when he gets hurt. Yeah, and a touchdown running. Like he was cooking in that game. And then look, Davis Mills is not ready. Everything we, he's just not ready. Like there's just, no, Tyrod's playing at a high level. He's giving him a chance. Yeah, Yeah, and I, I've been impressed with the offensive coaching in particular and the play calling from Houston. They've been doing, again, we've mentioned on this show that this team doesn't have a whole lot of talent, but they're putting these guys in, into positions to succeed and they're giving themselves a chance and, and they let them do a win in week one and they almost had this game here in week two. So I've been impressed. Again, I don't think long-term we look at David Culley and we look at the way that this team is built as anything long-term, but for a short-term as they try to transition into whatever they're going to be in the future, you have to be impressed with the way that they're, they're handling things right now. Uh, the Rams... 27-24 victory in Indianapolis against the Colts. Cooper Cup has a massive game. Nine receptions, 163 yards, two touchdowns. I, I think we probably should discuss Carson Wentz leaving this game late with an injury and Jacob Eason needing to take over as the starter. Uh, Michael Pittman, this was the week he decided to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that means next week he'll go back to not being a thing. Not really sure. Something I'm going to keep an eye on. And listen, this Rams offense does what they need to do in order to win this football game. I think there's a lot of interesting storylines more on the indie side of things with Michael Pittman's emergence and then the injury to Carson Wentz. Well, I, I look at Indy and uh, I look at them and sorry, Jake, your mic was muted. So I just took okay. the opportunity there. Um, this offensive game plan was so different than what they put on the field in week one. In uh, like week one, Carson Wentz targeted running backs on nearly 35% of his targets. And he threw, what, three targets to running backs today? One to Jonathan Taylor, two to Naeem Hines. Uh, Everything went to Michael Pittman. 
you know, Pascal caught another touchdown. He's again, they love him in the red zone. He's going to get a guy that gets those opportunities, but they've kind they kind of abandoned. I know they ran the ball technically 21 times to running backs here, but it felt like from the beginning that they knew we're not going to be able to run on, on Los Angeles and we're really not going to box ourselves into this. And they were throw they were throwing the ball all over the yard as much as they possibly could in this. I don't know if the, I'm not going to really bump anybody up or down on the Annapolis side. I still worry about Pittman's consistency. If he does this again for a few weeks, we'll see. Obviously, we have to see what's going on with Carson Wentz's injury. On the LA side, this is, I mean, look, credit to, to Jake, who, who pushed at the very uh, beginning of the season that Cooper Cup is going to be a monster uh, for this team. Two phenomenal weeks so far. Uh, you know, Woods has been good. Daryl Henderson, I thought, had another solid game here. And Matthew Stafford's looking solid. Like this, this Rams team on offense for fantasy purposes is pretty much delivering what you expected uh, with Cooper Cup obviously over delivering with his two huge monster games so far. Yeah, I think they're getting a little too much love real life football wise. Like they're they're good, but they haven't looked at that. That Chicago game wasn't what the score was, right? Chicago doesn't throw the pick early. They don't Rams don't score the game. That that's really close. And today's game is really close. If Cooper Cup is not a monster, they're just okay. And I don't know what the hell is going on in Indy. Give Jonathan Taylor the damn ball. He didn't have a catch today. It was so weird, man. And then Marlon Mack gets five carries. He's a thing all of a sudden. Ride your freaking horse, man. Like, what is your identity? I hate what's going on offensively two years in a row in Indy. I'll raise, I'll raise my hand and say, listen, there's a lot of football. There's a lot of stuff going on, so it's hard to catch everything. I don't know if if something happened with Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if they said anything afterwards, if he was hurt or anything. But watching no, the game they just didn't use him. Late, late in the fourth quarter, you're down. It's a one-possession game, and he's obviously one of your best offensive weapons, and he's sitting on the sidelines. And this is no disrespect to Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines, but why isn't Jonathan Taylor on the field? And I was just incredibly confused by the usage of the backs in the second half. And Jake, I'll, I'll go back to your point about the Rams. Thoroughly impressed with their defense in the first half of this football game being able to stop Indy down only let them get three points on two possessions down in the red zone inside the five that was impressive letting Indy get back into this football game and making it a thing in the second half is where they kind of lost me and I'm like okay they're gonna have to prove it to me in week three but this game was just weird Indy they're in this weird spot and now with the quarterback situation up in the air when not knowing what Carson Wentz's status is going to be it's going to be really tough to trust what this offensive identity is going to be uh moving forward if we're good here uh, Bills beat the Dolphins 35 to nothing Tua's injury is where we got to start here. I, I think it's the only place to start. I mean, Tua goes down in this game early. Looked like he grabbed – so they listed this as his ribs. But when he's walking off the field, it looked like he was grabbing his hip. And I didn't see the play that he got hurt on. But it looked like he was grabbing his hip area, which obviously is a concern when you consider the hip injury that he's had in the past. But from that point forward, Jamie, this Dolphins team didn't have anything. The Bills didn't really look great early, but they were able to cruise to a victory. And that's all I got on this game. Well, uh, yes, there was a two injury, but I have never seen a less prepared, less enthusiastic team that Brian Flores has thrown out there, even back to the time when they were terrible. Like this was a weird game for Miami. Like they made a lot of mental errors. They were they looked unenthusiastic. They looked unprepared. They took penalties that I that were just mind numbing. They made a lot of mistakes in this game. And, and this final score indicates how bad they were. Uh, even again, I know the two injury is going to take a lot of credit, and and it should. Jacoby Brissett is a stopgap option. You don't want him throwing the ball forty times like he did in this game. But Miami beat themselves in a lot of ways too in this matchup. Like this was not all the two injury. And on Buffalo's side, you know, it was good to see a little bit more usage from Devil, Devin Singletary early. He has looked a little bit more spry. You know, he gets in the end zone once. I know Zach Moss takes two touchdowns himself after being inactive in Week One. 
you know, Diggs ends up catching a touchdown, so he saves his day. It was kind of a weird game for the Buffalo offense. I don't think Josh Allen looked all that great uh, again no. for the second week in a row. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, but on the Miami side, they they deserve to lose this game by five touchdowns. Do you think Miami's receivers could be better off with Jacoby Brissett, but he has to play for, say, three or four weeks than they are with two? Or do you think two is going to come around when Will Fuller actually gets acclimated to this thing? I don't know what I'm getting from Miami at all yeah. offensively. I, I just I'm just not a big fan of Brissett as a passer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just not that I'm a huge fan of Tua as a passer, but I just think Brissett's a. I, I like him more in the gadget QB role package type play that they used him in. I just, I don't see him being that guy. And and who knows if they get Will Fuller? This Will Fuller stuff sounds bad. Like this sounds like a dude that doesn't want to play football or has some major something else going on in his life. I don't know if they're going to get Will Fuller anytime soon. Uh, those comments coming out of Miami's camp this past week. Uh, do not sound like it's going to be something short term. So maybe he comes around, maybe he comes back, but like I, that doesn't sound good. It looks like this is the team they're going to have to roll with. And they've been very mum about Tua's status. I mean, they technically didn't even rule him out of the game until like late in the second half. Yeah. All they said was, was the right. ribs were negative. Yeah. There's the only thing I've seen. We'll I agree see. with Chris. We'll I don't, see. I don't know if it was ribs, hip, what it was. I'll tell you what, this Bills team, I'm not going to say anybody's contenders, pretenders till we get to week four. And the Steelers' defense played really well last week, and I get that T.J. Watt went out of this game today. But Derek Carr is lighting the freaking NFL on fire right now, and this we'll Buffalo get Bills offense is supposed to be way better than the Raiders' offense. He's 50% again today. He's yeah. pressing. He goes back to like he did two years ago before he took the big jump. Made big plays, but he was not very accurate. Like, it's it's ugly. He had one throw uh, to Stephon Diggs in this game that Diggs had a step on two defenders and he underthrew him from a clean pocket to almost interception. I have ne- I, I don't remember see- even bad Josh Allen. I don't remember him doing that. So again, it's two weeks. I'm not making any grandiose proclamations, but it is like a little check mark in my mind of like, let me see how this plays out the rest of this month because there have been a, a couple of red flags have popped back up for me with him. Uh, even if it has not shown in their record so far, uh, it's popped up in my mind. Next game up, the Patriots beat the Jets 25-6. to six, And I will just throw it to you gentlemen to talk about this football game because if, if well, you want to hear Wilson my thoughts on it. to anybody it. he wanted in this game apparently too. Uh, this was as bad of a quarterback performance as I've seen in some time. Uh, if, you, if you didn't have a chance to watch this game, all four of those interceptions are as bad as you could imagine. Um, there was... This was, uh, I don't even want to say a rookie hiccup. This was concerning. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to affect him long term, but in this game, he looked like he should not be on the NFL field. And that's Zach Wilson I'm talking about here. Uh, Some positive signs from a fantasy perspective. Elijah Moore got a little bit more involved in this game, 4 for 47. uh, Wilson and Braxton Berrios seem to have a connection. And as long as the Jets. 7 for 73 for Berrios. Yeah. And the Jets continue to hate Denzel Mims and their Crowder's been hurt. So, I mean, there's some fantasy value there. We saw a little bit of Michael Carter in this game. He looked good at times. But, um, you know, on the other side of things, boy, are they playing it safe with Mac Jones. Like I, I, I'm waiting for Belichick and McDaniels to kind of like pull the reins off of him because it feels like they're like, because he looks so efficient and he's playing so well, but like they're they're not letting him take any major risks yet. And I guess I get it. I mean, I understand why. And they're winning, and they won. They were never in doubt of winning this game. But I'd really like to see them allow Mac Jones to kind of operate the full breadth of this offense sure. here soon versus just kind of like taking the easy stuff. Do you know what happens when you give your quarterback the whole reign of the offense and let him do whatever he wants? He throws four interceptions to the other team. That's what well, happens. 
No, he's playing I, Bill Belichick as a rookie yeah. in his second start. Like this, I'm yeah. not. I'm not that concerned. This was not surprising. No, not this was a lock of the week. See it, like like selfishly, I want to see it. Like I'm not concerned about it. I love the way he's looked. So yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just, I'm not, no, no, I'm I not like giving Zach. Zach Wilson. I'm not giving, like this is. Oh yeah. That's not concerning. You're playing Belichick no, in second start without uh-uh, Mackay uh-uh. Becton. Start to shut up, Jets fan. Before analyzing this, <laughs> this is not fandom. He's going to be fine. You're going to look back and go, okay, yes. Like it's not that surprising. It's a lock yeah. of the week that the Patriots are covering this. No, I agree. Okay. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm concerned. And I'm. Uh, there's nobody. Jamie can attest to this. There's nobody that was a bigger fan of the Jets taking Zach Wilson than I was. Yeah, but to, that's true. But to say that those four interceptions are because of Belichick's scheme. I watched well, those throws. Those throws are bad throws. I don't know what he's a, seeing. And and I'll, I'll look at the All-22 this week when it comes out, and I'll see if there's something that I didn't see from the TV angle. But those throws didn't look good. Like, he's throwing the ball to just empty space. There are two, there are two competing points that aren't exclusive from each other. I'm not worried about Zach Wilson long-term, but he was as awful today as his stat line was. Yes. And I think both things yeah. can be true. Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, just, I wasn't that surprised by it. The thing that was surprising that I really liked was James White two weeks in a row. Yes. And his usage looks like now that Cam is gone, he's still there with Brady. And he's going to be this 6-8 target guy. He's going to get four or five carries. And if they're in the shotgun in those carries, he's liable to take one of the house like he did today. I like that. I still think Jacoby Myers is the guy in this offense that you want week mm-hmm. after week. Even though it's a little bit of a down week, still six targets. That was solid. I agree with you. It's going to be really interesting. They've got some games coming up that are not that easy and defenses yeah. that should give him big problems. So if they play at this conservative, I don't know that they can run it this much and, and get by and win some of these games that they got coming up. It'll be really interesting to see what they do with it. Uh, the 49ers go on the road to Philadelphia. They pick up a win 17 to 11 in what was, was this the most boring game of the, of the morning slate or for me, the morning slate for depends on what you slate? like to watch. Yeah. One I of the worst Dolphins things that happened <laughs> Was that? I thought the Bills Dolphins was the most boring game of the slate. To be well, honest okay, with you. that's that game fair. had no juice in it at all. One of the worst things that happened was Brandon Graham, yeah, Brandon Graham tearing his Achilles. This yeah. front from Philly is nasty. You can't run it on them. They're running the pass, rushing the passer. I sat there watching this game with my dad last Sunday when they were off, and we were like, "Man, you put Hargrove next to Fletcher Cox healthy with these guys coming off the end, and then Brandon Graham gets hurt." So it was boring if you. Didn't like rushing the passer, big dude stuff in the run, and not a lot of action going on. But if you like that stuff and that old school defense, this game was freaking great. Quarterbacks trying to make plays. The Niners are just better. And they're a little bit lacking in the secondary in Philly other than big play slay. I just love that Debo Samuel is still the one, and I don't know what's going on with IU. Because as soon as we had our show last week and you heard Kyle Shanahan, like if he wants to be the starter, then he's got to show up and beat the guys that are behind him. That does not bode well for, for IU owners. It does not, and and we had the musical chairs of running backs in this game as well because Elijah Mitchell gets hurt a time, then comes back. Um, Trey Sermon is is dead, yeah. Chris. So we, you could you could stop asking about that. It's not uh, great. Michael Hasty is, is Trenton Cannon are getting carries. Jimmy Grapple uh, had eleven carries. I know, and he scored. Had a rushing yeah. touchdown in this game. Too. Scored the most important touchdown of the game late to put the game on ice. So I think a couple of key takeaways from this game. One, uh, I'm a little surprised at how little George Kittle has been used to two games. Something to keep in mind since considering how high of a draft value he was going in pretty much the third round across the board, if not late second. And two, Chris, this is the great example of why Jalen Hurts is a QB1. He doesn't have to be a strong passer to be a strong and very good fantasy player. 
And there's still, again, he's somebody that I do like what they've done with him so far because they're making, they're simplifying the offense and giving him the best chance to succeed. Again, part of the reason they have to do that is because he is limited, but I like what they've done with them so far, even though the offense didn't uh, result in a lot of points today. Still 10 for 82 and a touchdown on the ground. You're going to get that. Uh, I expect better days from Miles Sanders and Devonta Smith. This was kind of a weird game. Obviously, Quez Watkins gets a 91-yard catch that's not a touchdown, which you don't see very, very many 90-yard plays that aren't scoring plays, but uh, I wouldn't freak out. This is kind of what you're going to get sometimes. I am really curious and interested to see what we get after four weeks are on, on tape. Yeah. And the teams quit blitzing him because Atlanta blitzed the hell out of him last week and he got outside the pocket and made a ton of plays. That's not really San Francisco's MO. So it's going to be really interesting to see I think if people are going to throw out those last couple games last year that he started when that team was in disarray and take this team that thinks they have a chance and they play the Cowboys next week. That's going to be a really interesting game. See what they want to do. They got nothing to chase him down with and see how teams want to defend this. Do you want to drop back in coverage, rush four, and try to keep him in the pocket and then see what happens? Like, it's going to be really interesting when people get a little film, but the kid's been phenomenal so far. Uh, we've talked about both of these teams indirectly over the course of the first couple of recaps. The Raiders, the un, excuse me, the undefeated 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders beat the Steelers 26-17. to And, Jamie, the place I want to start here is, let's talk about Derek Carr as a legitimate fantasy quarterback, please and thank yeah, you, we after the first two weeks to. of the season. Leading the look, NFL Derek in passing, Carr. Derek Carr. Yeah. Look, Derek Carr, in my estimation, I said this all offseason, had the best, the, his 2020 season was the best season I've seen from Derek Carr. Period. End of story. And he looks like he's taken another step forward here. This was a tough matchup for him. And he had a lot of success here. He looks phenomenal. He's getting a lot of people involved. Again, four receivers with five catches in this game. You know, four receivers with six or more targets. He had no running game. No Josh Jacobs. They were giving the ball to two-yard to carry Peyton Barber. Drake can't carry the ball. He's more of a receiver at this point. He had nothing to support him. And he dragged that team to victory. Him and that defense, it's then that pass rush that has been a lot better than we expected. He's been absolutely phenomenal. He he is definitely going to be in contention to be a weekly starter for you going forward. I, I how can you not be thrilled with what you've seen from him through two weeks? Yeah, also, and they're Henry not Ruggs. running the ball. Yeah. Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. Yeah, Rugg, Ruggs five for one, one seventeen and one. Again, he he got that one big play. He got that mm-hmm. sixty one yarder, and I, I that's what he's gonna do. I don't know where I'm like Ruggs is going to be a player that's constantly hard to rank. Um, he'll go up in my rankings now that we've seen it for a couple of weeks because I want to see him do it. But uh, he's going to be a guy that I think he's going to be more like a flex play. I'm not sure I'm ready to put him in like the top 35 yet, but uh, you got to be happy with what you've seen so far. He was open at times last year. They just didn't get the ball to him and he was open more often times in week one. They didn't get the ball to him. So I, I don't know why. You know, Waller had a solid game. Not, you know, they didn't get 19 targets, so he didn't take the world on fire. But Renfro continues to be steady Eddie in PPR leagues, five for 57. Like, I don't know how you cannot be impressed with this Raiders team. And on the Pittsburgh side, from a fantasy perspective, unless you played Big Ben, you got what you wanted. Deontay Johnson, nine for 105. You know, Claypool got double digit points. Juju got six for 41 and a rushing touchdown. You know, Najee Harris had, what, 90? or 80-something combined yards and receiving touchdown. Like, you kind of got, even though they didn't look great offensively at times in PPR formats, all your Steelers pretty much performed like you wanted them to. Yeah, they're just not very good. And that offense doesn't look any different than it did a year ago. The thing I was I also want to touch on rugs, they had, he had one carry for two yards. But they're at least using him, putting him in space. The drag routes that we talked about last year coming across the formation, it's not just Waller doing it now. And then he can go hit you deep and beat you which was the play. But I love the fact that they're actually using him as a weapon now. 
that's encouraging. This Steelers team, man, I, can T.J. Watt play offense too? Like, until he got hurt yeah. today, he's the best thing that's happened to Pittsburgh in, in a minute. Deontay Johnson's a stud. Like, that's the only thing I know that I'm getting every week yep. from Pittsburgh. But I like what you said, Jake, because this this Steelers offense felt like the last month of last season. Like, this feels like I'm looking at the same box score. I'm watching the same team. There's no downfield threat. They'll try one or two to Claypool a game, every you know, and that's it. There's no downfield threat. Everything is short. Juju's running routes four, three yards past the line of scrimmage. Deontay Johnson's going to get peppered with a ton of targets inside 10 yards. Like, this looks like the exact same offense. Yeah, Ben's arm looks a little better, but other than that, it looks like the exact same thing about how we had to fire Rick Randy Fickner to change up this whole all this crap we heard in this offseason. You changed the offensive line, you added a really good running back that had 10 carries. Other than that, it's the exact same thing. They have not used him much. Yeah. What do you say? 26 carries to two weeks? The Panthers. Come on, Matt Rule and your Panthers. The two and old Panthers. They beat the Saints 26 to 7 in and Jamie, I think. Christian McCaffrey has a Christian McCaffrey-like game. He doesn't get into the end zone until late, but he does it all. He's, He's going to touch the ball. Unstoppable. It's incredible. But, but see, what's funny about it, Jamie, is I'm watching the game, and they kept going back to it, and it's like, okay, he's not getting in the end zone. Oh, but there's you know, there's a catch out of the backfield matter. for six. There's another catch out of the backfield. He goes that one's for 12. Oh, they're going to give it to him 24 times on the ground. He's going to get 72 yards, and then he gets in the end zone yeah. at the end. He's just going to – it's just going to end up at the end of the day when you add it all up. Oh, okay, RB1, Christian McCaffrey. Like, it's just – that's where it's yeah. going to end up. Sam Darnold, you take him, again, another, another good performance from him. Um, this this team this team yeah, is looking good, good on offense. DJ Moore, eight receptions, seventy nine yards, and a touchdown. Star. And then on this, and then on the Saints side of things, I think the, this is a a crash down to earth. And I think this is kind of what everybody kind of warned after Week One of. Yeah, Jameis threw five touchdowns, but you look at the some of the deeper lying numbers. Didn't throw for a ton. It was kind of the the nature of the game that they played against Green Bay. This Panther team made it difficult for him, and the Saints team didn't score until late. Yeah, on the Carolina side, DJ Moore is a freaking star. Like it's, we don't want to talk about QB proof guys. He's in that conversation as well. I thought Donald looked really good. Give him a ton of credit. I still want to see a little bit more because you got the Jets defense and you got New Orleans with like three starters. So I still want to see more. Eight coaches. Well, yeah. They didn't play. uh, I'm not using that. Yeah, 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 I don't care about that. It's more like Lattimore and Gardner Johnson and all the other injuries that they had there. But love what he was able to do here. DJ Moore has been a star couple things to note here. Robbie Anderson's had a really interesting first two couple games because we all obviously expected because of the connection they had in New York that Robbie Anderson would be a little bit more featured. Not really the case here. He got six targets, but three for 38. He only caught that one pass in week one. It was a 57-yard touchdown, but it's only, one, it's only four catches uh, through two games, which is a little interesting to me. And on the Saints side, this is what it is. Like, you know, Kamara didn't have what he ended up getting, what, seven points in this game? Like, you're going to have these lows sometimes, which is why I was, why I didn't have him inside my top three running backs in, in the draft. Winston was terrible. He had that one, as I, I tweeted out from the draft network, had that one YOLO throw where he's running to his left, just heaves it up for no reason whatsoever into like triple coverage when there, there was no chance that was going to be anything other than an interception. They don't have any receivers right now that are worth their weight in anything. Uh, I mean, look, Marquez Callaway had the one f- fun preseason game has done nothing. Deontay Harris is not a guy. Chris Hogan, Juwan Johnson had one catch. Lil Jordan Humphrey had one catch. Like, they don't have – like, this Saints offense is lacking playmakers. They have Alvin Kamara and nobody. And when that defense is banged up and they can't stop anybody, that's it. Like, it, it, they just – they don't have anybody. This was an ass-whooping 
that the Saints put on the Packers last week on both lines of scrimmage, the Panthers did that to them. They beat the brakes off this team. Jameis Winston, 11 for 22. And the, the pick, the play you're talking about, Jamie, you know what he looked like? Jameis Winston. That's who he is. Yeah, Jameis. Yep. You get all this credit for five touchdowns last week. He threw 148 yards. Two of the touchdowns were a little dump passes that you shouldn't get credit for anyway. This is awful. He's their leading rusher with 19 yards. Yeah. They should have, that offensive line was so dominant last week against Packers. They should have easily been able to line up and run the ball. And if Sean Payton's the genius that I've always given him the credit for, and you guys know I'm a Sean, big Sean Payton fan, this game plan must have just been garbage. Mainly threw it 22 times because they got dominated. Yeah. Like, this was shocking they to got me. Blown off, that Saints offensive line got blown off the ball all night, all day long. Like, it was – and I, I know there's some really talented players in that front seven for Carolina, but the Saints should not have been dominated like this. No. No, I thought the, the Panthers – I picked them to win. Like, I thought they would win this game. This felt like a, a – but I did not expect this. Yeah, it was – it's the NFL. What can you say? Like, I don't, yeah. There's a bunch of teams. I don't know what we're getting yet. Uh, before we continue on and get to the next slate of games to get to, Jamie, I have to ask the follow-up for you to your exquisite week one owner's box performance in all of the leagues that you joined, all the contests that you joined in week one. What was the yeah. – because you didn't – normally you keep me updated throughout the day of how things go. Didn't get an update from you today, so I was a little concerned. Well, because I thought I wasn't going to do as well, and I didn't quite do as well, but – I finished up $300, $300 on owner's box. So I, uh, in the big contest, the 50 K one that we were promoting, uh, I had two teams finish inside the top 100. So that was nice. And I had, uh, 12 of my, or excuse me, 11 of my 15 lineups cash. So, uh, it's a solid week. Well, it wasn't like winning, you know, 35, 3,600 like week one, but, uh, that's still close to four grand through two weeks. So I will absolutely take that. Uh, I've been really enjoying playing over there. You know, keep an eye on you're going to if you haven't had a chance to play yet, make sure you sign up for the contest next week. We'll tell you all about it, all their promo codes and whatnot. And usually if you haven't done it yet, they will give you a free $10 entry into their main contest, which is really nice feature. And a lot of times for the for those that have already signed up, they'll give you another free entry somewhere on Sunday. So I encourage you, if you have not tried them out yet, go to the app store, go to ownersbox.com, download the app, go to the website. And start filling out a lineup for week three and beyond. You know, it's a really fun way to play. It's PPR. It's no no, uh, no kickers, no defenses, two flexes, and a super flex play. So it's a really fun, exciting way to get things going. Uh, they have a few different formats, too, starting this past week. They could even have, like, you can face somebody one versus one, whether it's a stranger, whether it's a friend or something. You can go one versus one and winner take all. Uh, there's some really fun stuff there on the owner's box app and ownersbox.com. So make sure you are checking them out this week. Cause I will have a bunch of lineups in again next week. There'll have plenty of advice on the draft network, Instagram, on Twitter, graphics and whatnot. So if you haven't tried out owner's box yet, please take my word for it. Do it today. Just hang in there, Jags fans. Just hang in there. The Broncos beat the Jags 23-13, to 13, and I'm referencing the uh, tweet that the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, account That was so bad. Okay, I'm glad both yeah, of you saw so it. Bad. The reference I was making, that oh, is what I was horrible. hoping for. Um, the Broncos win this football game. Guys, I, I, I kind of want to focus on the on the Denver side of things. They're, it's a 2-0 start for them. They've looked good. Cortland Sutton with a big game. This running back situation in Denver still confuses me, right? I, I still where it's, It is what it is, I think, at this no, point. No, it, it doesn't confuse me anymore. I know what's happening here, and, I, and I'll just say this. I was wrong. I, Javante Williams looks far better than Melvin Gordon right now through two weeks. I know Mo, Melvin Gordon had that big run, that 70-yard run, but they're going to continue to split work. Like, that. that I'm not wrong about. 
But Javante Williams looks way more spry in these two games than Melvin Gordon has. But uh, Melvin Gordon's a better receiver at this point in his career. And a two for 38 had a big catch in this game as well. But the biggest takeaway for me is Teddy Bridgewater looks really freaking good. He was Thank one you. of those sneaky starts. One of those sneaky starts in my column this week. One of the guys I mentioned as, as a, a value player in the owner's box graphic. He looks really good. He is extremely steady. And it is, it is refreshing to see this Broncos team without the erratic play of Drew Locke, a quarterback. Like it just, it's just refreshing to see Sutton was a monster 12 targets in this game, nine for one fifty nine. TDN's boy, Tim Patrick gets in the end zone. Like this was ex- aside from the fact, I thought they would run the ball a little bit better, but they still ran the ball fairly well. This was exactly what I expected from Denver. I love the way this Broncos team is going. And on the Jacksonville side, uh, Marvin Jones continues to be a stud. We told you so listen to the show. You're going to make some money and win some fantasy leagues. Uh, and I'm officially worried about James Robinson for yes. fantasy purposes. Yes. Luckily, he had the three catches, which helps a yeah. bunch. I'm worried about Jacksonville. I'm worried about Urban Meyer's heart. Like, there's some bad things going on. Oh, yeah. It, like, it's, it's ugly. But all I'm taking out of this is Teddy Two Gloves, and I told you so, the boy can play freaking football. He's going to be a sneaky starter for fantasy. The Broncos are going to win a lot of games because he throws the ball where it's supposed to go, and they got plenty of weapons to do it with. The thing I want to add before we move on, and the Cardinal Minnesota game has so many different things I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just like the way Denver and Vic Fangio they embrace they're embracing who they are. They understand their personnel. They understand what they are on both sides of the ball, and they go, you know what? We're going to play this way. They're not trying to square peg round hole. They know what they are. They know what they're good at. They know what they're able to do, and they go out there and execute because they're a well coached team. I know a lot of people like to give Vic Fangio crap for the way that this team played last season, but you get them a stable hand at quarterback. This team can play, and they're two. And oh, they get the Jets next week, so they're more than yeah, likely going to start so season three and, three and oh. So we got to start talking about this Denver team, right? Jake, you talk about using you know around four games talking about where teams stand. This Denver team could very easily be three and one, four and oh, when we when we get to that point. We need to start talking about them seriously. Yeah, so and they I, trust I, their quarterback. Yep, they trust the play that they're getting from their quarterback, and he's now the leader of this team in this offense. And when you get that, and you don't have the erratic uh, play that Jamie mentioned from Locke. You're going to be fine when Chubb gets a little healthier and he can play more plays on the other side of Von Miller. You know, this defense is going to be legit with Vic and they're not even running it that successfully. Now they're playing to their no. strengths and that's Teddy. So this is, by the way, this is very interesting before we get off of this game. I'm looking ahead to week four and obviously everybody knows the big game. Everyone to talk about is Bucks Patriots on Sunday night. Understandably, we got it, but there are a couple games on this schedule on this week, there are three in particular that I look at. They're all in the afternoon slate, all that 305, or excuse me, 405 Eastern slate that are like really like who's for real games. You've got the Cardinals at the Rams. You've got the Seahawks at the Niners and you've got the Ravens at the Broncos like that. And by the way, the other late game I didn't mention was Steelers Packers. I don't know how week four got all these games, but that that's the, so from the time the morning game ends, these are the games you get on Sunday from the afternoon to the night. Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, Niners, Steelers, Packers, Ravens, Broncos, Bucks, Patriots. With Raiders, Chargers as the Monday night game. I hope there's a place in Foxborough I can watch all those before the game starts. Ooh. Man. The Cardinals, the 2-0 Cardinals. Can we spend the whole the hour on this freaking Dude. psychopath of a game? What? There are so many different players that we got to talk about in Where this football game. So they... They win the game 34-33, a missed field goal at the end for Minnesota with a, with a chance to win the football game. They miss it. We talked, I believe, and I say we, Jamie Eisner talked about on this show 
Wide receiver three for the Minnesota Vikings, KJ Osborne. It was a conversation. Five for 91 and a touchdown, the leading receiver. Uh, he only got six targets, made the most of them with the five catches, but has the well, touchdown. He, that first target yards. opened the game. Yeah, well, that was the big one. That was the that was the big one. And for those of us that maybe had KJ Osborne over three and a half catches, worked out pretty well for us. Or two and a half. I forget yeah. which one I had, but either way, I was there. That didn't matter. We, we got there anyway. Uh, Dalvin Cook gets hurt multiple times in this game. Still is <laughs> able to finish with 131 yards on the ground. Justin Jefferson gets into the end zone. Adam Thielen gets into the end zone. Everybody on the Minnesota team gets into the end zone. Oh, Rondell Moore has a massive game. I might, might, might need to start eating some crow there because the role that they have out for him has is, is been very good through the first two weeks. Yeah, because A.J. Green sucks and needs to be off the field. It, yeah, It's not oof. great. It's, it's, it's not great. Yeah, the three. I mean, he catches a touchdown. See, oh, he yes. caught a touchdown. He had like 13. But no, it no, wasn't. No, no, no. Yeah. It, it cooked. No. It was cooked. Not very good. It, Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore need to be on the field exclusively with D-Hop. And that's 100%. it. 100%. And Max Williams? No. What I said last we'll week, no. we'll this, this is not sustainable, what they're doing, though. Yeah. Like, I, but it's fun. You, Kyler, Kyler had, what, five incompletions and two were picks? Yeah. I, I just – I guess I saw, at 400 yards, it was unbelievable. It was the craziest crap I've ever watched. It's just not – he, it it's just so, doesn't work. I don't know. I don't it's even know what to come to an end at some point, but it's so much fun right now. I, oh, it's I, yeah, fun. I oh, it's a blast. It is I love so much. This fun. game it was so much crazy to watch. Uh, there's really not a lot of action. Like you're starting Kyler all the time. You're starting DeAndre Hopkins. Like I, I think the actionable advice would be: I, I'm not rushing to the waiver wire for Max Williams. He's been no. there for over a year without doing much there. And Rondell uh, Moore is the. I wish I would have known he would have had right? this game. I could have got him really cheap on on owners box, but. I did think about him. Like, that's one of the names I went, oh, maybe. And I went with Parham. He's the conversation, Chris, because he looks explosive as hell. And listen, there are are three people in the world that are critical of Cliff Kingsbury at times. It's the three people on this podcast. But what we just talked about, Denver, of knowing who you are and putting your players into positions to succeed, they know what Rondell's skill set is, and they're putting them in positions to succeed, which we have been critical of Cliff in the past of not doing that with players. They're doing it with Rondell Moore, and you're seeing what happens when you do that with players. Yes, and he's healthy the enough offense, right now to do yes. it while he's mm-hmm. still healthy. But yes, the offense not not having Fitzgerald on the field is really helping opening up this offense. It is what it is. We love Fitzgerald, love the guy, one of my favorite players of all time. But just the things that this offense can do now with Kirk in the slot full time and Rondo Moore on the field is just different. Jamie, you worried about Chase Evans? <sighs> I am. I got I him. I counted on him bit, two weeks in a row. I guess but the it, usage it, just isn't it, there. Yeah, but he hasn't been terrible. Like, I mean, in, in no, he's PPR, been okay. He's done touch the ball. He's been like 12. Yeah, I mean, like you're relying on the receiving game. He's going to be 11, 12. Like, he's a guy. That's why I kind of had him around that like RB 23, 24 spot in drafts. Like, odds are he's going to be more of a flex play for you more often than not in PPR. It's been he's okay. Get you, like, if he gets you a dozen points, it's kind of where he's going to be. But I don't think there's – obviously, he can have a game where he scores, but this is kind of what I think he's going to be. He's going to be in that four to six catch range. You know, he'll he'll get, you know, seven to ten carries on the ground. Like, you're just going to have to piece this together. It's a lot like Miles Gaskin in a way. Like, you're just going to have to piece together all these different elements. And if he scores, he's going to have a big week. If not, you're going to be sitting around 10, 11 points. I mean, it's better than Mike Davis, who had a solid day, but Cordero Patterson looks really good at freaking running back. Yeah. So that one's really interesting. Justin Jefferson, before we jump off this, is a star. But it's amazing what you can do with confidence as a rookie before you realize this game is hard. Had a couple drops yeah. in this one. One was big, and he got up yeah. like blaming like he got held or whatever. Like he did right both hands. Catch he makes quarter. a year ago. Yeah. 
So I didn't think he was going to have anywhere near as big of a year as he did. I think he's still going to have a big year. He's a freaking star. But, like, there's there's things if you want to nitpick some of this stuff to be concerned with. The Buccaneers beat the Falcons 48-25. to Tom Brady goes for five touchdowns and 276 yards. And before we break down this game, Jamie, I'm going to read out loud the tweet I sent to you before the show started. Okay? Okay. So I sent, you, I sent Jamie a tweet, okay. Jake, about, about Tom Brady. In, and I had to actually go do the research myself to make sure that this person's tweet was accurate because I didn't necessarily believe everything I saw on the internet, including the five touchdowns that he threw today. So these are added into the numbers. Tom Brady is now 14 touchdown passes away from throwing more touchdowns in his 40s than he did in his 20s. That is a real statistic in yep. 2021. So if he, he throws 14 more touchdowns, and I think he's on a pretty like good Halloween. pace, <laughs> yeah. he will have Halloween. more touchdowns in his 40s than he did in his 20s. That's just it's, insane. He's throwing 50-plus this year. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Book it. So uh, this is why I was on the Tom Brady train in the preseason. You remember my logic. Remember what we talked about. This was huge. And by the way, me winning the winning me winning any money in owners box is thanks to the Tom Brady Mike Evans stack. Uh, that is a big reason why. Uh, look on this Buccaneers team. We, we told you that you're probably gonna get three great games from the pass catchers, and somebody's gonna get left out in the cold. It's tough for four pass catchers to have great games. And uh, week one, it was Mike Evans that got left in the cold. Antonio Brown was the guy that got left out in the cold for week two. It's going to happen. There's no advice there. Continue to play all these guys. Uh, Gronk looks really good, though. Gronk's going to be oh, shooting so up my good. rankings. He looks phenomenal. He's getting open a lot. And I guess I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised by that because when you have to worry about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, and uh, I guess I'm not surprised that, that Gronk is the one that's getting open. On the Falcon side, Pitts looked a lot better in this game. Mm -hmm. A lot more productive. Five for 73. Had a really nice catch on a, a one-handed grab going behind him on a bad throw from Matt Ryan. You know, Calvin Ridley gets that late touchdown to kind of save his day. Cordell Patterson looks like a thing. Uh, Mike He's Davis does not look like a thing. Uh, that's pretty much where we are for this game. But uh, Brady was my QB1 this week. I think he ends up finishing his QB3. But uh, I, I loved him in this in this matchup. And you know, he's going to, if you drafted him late, like I did in a lot of leagues because people were putting him down at like QB 7, 8, 9, 10, you're going to be thrilled with the returns on that. Yeah. I tell you, Matt Ryan was impressive in this game. He, yeah, he had this defense who was getting pressure and he got beat up last week against Philly, hung in there and made a ton of plays. I was really impressed. And Cordero Patterson is a thing. He is a big dude. People forget how big he's 6'3, 225 and runs like a receiver, but plays like a running back. He's a hard guy to bring down. I was wrong on the running back situation. Leonard Fournette will be the primary back in Tampa. I thought Rojo would have a monster year, but he's still being Rojo. He ran out of bounds on a catch on first down at nine yards with nobody in front of him. Didn't even get the first down. Then he misses the hole on second down, bounces it, loses a yard. They end up having to go for it on fourth down. And then he misses the blitz and gets Brady hit. And you know what makes you not play plays as a running back? Not picking up the freaking blitz. Your fourth year in the league doing the same crap you've always done. Leonard Fournette has an unbelievable blitz pickup earlier in this game for a touchdown that allows Brady to get outside and make a play. That's going to be, he's the guy they're going to trust because he makes those plays. It's not who's the better runner. People are blowing me up on Twitter. Yeah, but Rojo's a better runner, but he can't, he does so many stupid things. It's going to keep him off the field. So the ride in the hot hand, I don't think it's going to be what we thought this running back situation was going to be. I think it's going to be Fournette getting more and more involved. 
And, and Jamie, one thing I want to add, because you mentioned it, that one of these pass catchers is going to get left out in the cold. Antonio Brown only ended up with three targets. One of them was in the end zone that could have been a touchdown if it wasn't deflected, right? He was wide open in the back of the end zone. Yeah. And then he had another big play that was also broken up from an underneath defender making a play on it. So there was big play potential, and he was looked at in those spots. But, yes, yeah, sometimes yeah. the luck just, just doesn't break your way. And Play and your studs every week. Like, the it's going to happen. No. Guys, yeah, guys are bad weeks. The offense crapped the bed in the third quarter. They were yeah. hot the first half, and they had 19 yards in the third quarter. So if they'd have kept that going, there's probably three more targets there. He'd have been fine. Yeah, it happens. Like again, don't 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 let one poor game discourage you. Just like you shouldn't let one great game from somebody that you don't expect. Like he's still the third Max option. William in every line. Mike and Chris are yes. one and two. He might even be fourth most days. But Gronk's gonna. And, be and look, the reality is, it, it's as I keep saying, it's extremely tough to get four extremely productive pass catchers. Like it's tough to get four. Somebody has to get left out, even for a team that is as potent as Tom Brady. Speaking of big games in which there was a performance that maybe we weren't expecting, the Cowboys beat the Chargers 20 to 17. And it's Tony Pollard atop the running back chart for the Dallas Cowboys. 13 for 109. He gets into the end zone. Now, for those of you who have Zeke on your team, he had a pretty good game as well. 16 for 71, uh, one touchdown. But Tony Pollard's the big story here, I think, on the Dallas side of things with the way that he played. And it's interesting because I watched a lot of this game. This was this was part of the afternoon red zone slate, so they're able to stay on games a little yep. bit longer. So we were able to see more of this game. And every time I watched the, watched this game, Jamie, it felt like it was Zeke's in for a play, Tony Pollard's in for a play. Tony, is Zeke's in for a play? Tony Pollard's in for a play. It, it, yeah. I don't think it bears out to be exactly 50-50. That's just what it felt like when I was watching the game. Well, they're running into this issue that everybody's been able to see now for a year. And they just they just can't do anything about it, and that is that Tony Pollard looks better with the ball in his hands than Zeke. Like there's just there's no way around it. It's been more than a year more now explosive. that's been the case. Yeah. And, and look, Zeke gets in the end zone. Zeke's still a good pass, you know, pass a, a blitz pickup in the in player in the passing game. But Tony Pollard's the more dynamic player right now. Like there's just there's there, I you can't really deny it anymore. Whether you know that's not to say Zeke's going to the bench anytime soon, but uh, I would not be surprised to see a lot of these games where like you know Zeke gets. Uh, gets 18 touches in this game. Uh, Tony Pollard gets 16. You know what I mean? Like we're going to see a lot of games where that's 55, 45 type of a deal. And both running backs had a really solid performance here. Not um, you're probably disappointed with Dak uh, in his game from a fantasy perspective, only had four incompletions, but 237, no touchdowns, the pick. Yes. You course. know who's good, Jamie, the freaking chargers defense. Yes. Yes. Good. Brandon Staley can yes. coach defense. A and I, I I threw away the paper from the from the Monday Down Show earlier, but there's a stat like going back over the last 19 games, I think they're only they're allowing fewer than 240 passing yards per game. Like they are really strong pass defense, uh, and even that's even with the injuries that they had last year. Uh, so they are really strong defense there on the Chargers side. Eckler got all those targets back that he didn't get last week. Caught all nine of his targets for 61 yards, including one where he makes a tr tr tremendous like one handed catch and gets like helmet to helmet popped in the head and. Uh, and by the way, I, I'm all the way in on Mike Williams. I, I, don't I was know just going to ask, can I, I get an official comment Lamar on Mike Williams? Love this. I can love I get this. an this official so comment? Different than what he has been used the last few years. This is so different than the Anthony Lynn, Mike Williams. They are using him all over the field. He looks motivated. They're, they're creating matchups for him. They're not just putting him on the outside and saying, we're going to throw you 50-50 and back shoulder balls five times a game. And whatever you come up with, you come up with. I love the way they are using him. I have bought all the way in on a guy that I was all the way out on two months ago. 
I kept putting all my hand up because I wanted. I no, I just I kept putting my hand up because I wanted to be like, "Hey, Jamie, can I get your thoughts on Mike Williams? Can I get your thoughts on I, Mike I can admit Williams?" When I'm wrong. Two, I was no, wrong on this. I love the way they're using him. When healthy, that I'm wrong. He's Corey Davis from last year. When healthy, he's a big physical freak that you understood was a first-round pick and never really lived up to it. I'll tell you what, I mean, freaking Herbert is good. Yeah. Stats or whatever the stats are. Well, my eyeballs tell me this kid's a top-five quarterback now, and he's going to be for the next 10 years plus. He did throws it 30, different than a 40, lot of people. Did you see that, like, 34-yard or whatever it was, 40-something-yard pass to Keenan Allen between with two Cowboys that he drops in falling away? Oh, my Unbelievable. Uh, unreal. Un- but he looks so – poised nothing rattles him mm-hmm. i love what i'm seeing from this kid like i he is a freaking star but this team is pretty good yeah and, and yeah, by the way have, this yeah. this this whole game changes a little bit i thought there was a questionable holding call on the right tackle on that long touchdown pass to donald parham like maybe yep. that's me because i had parham in a lot of leagues and i had herbert and i, I thought that was the thing i thought that was a little ticky tack to, to take a touchdown off the board obviously it resulted in them not winning this game but uh, it's just uh, give Dallas credit. I mean, they got their they fought hard in that Thursday night game. Come back ten days later, pull out a victory here against LA. Like, got to give them some credit. It's yep. a winnable division. Yep. Somebody, somebody's got to win up. that division. Uh, next game up, Derrick Henry thirty three, the Seattle Seahawks thirty, <laughs> as the Tennessee Titans win in overtime. And Jake, if there was ever a game that described your feelings on Derrick Henry, and I will try to quote you accurately on this, you you talk about how Derrick Henry first couple games of the season it's going to be a little slow, and then boom, he's going to hit you in the second half, and he's just going to go off. This game was a microcosm of that. This team struggles early, struggles early, boom, second half. Derrick Henry's like, don't worry, I got it. He goes for one hundred and eighty two, three touchdowns. Give this Titans team a ton of credit. They battled in this football six game to catches. even have a chance to even have a chance six catches right i would watch six it like derrick catches. henry in the backfield I'm like this it's is like a season awesome. for him dude That's, it was 22 you know, yards at halftime he has 43 <laughs> touches in this game it's like, what were you thinking by the way julio jones became a thing all of a sudden the yeah. first time in 52 games the seahawks have blown a 15 point lead at home they were 52 and 0 and they're up 15 plus in the fourth quarter against a titans team who was beyond embarrassed a week ago. A.J. Yeah. Brown, not his best game. Julio's a thing. Tannehill was solid. But this is – ride your dude. Yeah. Derrick Henry, baby. Like, I got to give him credit. Did. They were getting their asses beat, and then they just give it to him the whole second half, and he alone gets them back in it. Their defense mm-hmm. sucks. Seattle is what they are. Like, we've talked about – like, if, if Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson don't have the prettiest freaking deep ball combination in the history <laughs> of the NFL, like, but if they don't have that, they're not very good. Yeah, like, I, I'm I worried about the Seahawks. I think they might be the fourth best team in that division. I just want to get yeah, Jamie's they, thoughts this, on Freddie Swain at some point, too. I just want to make sure we get I'm that in there I'm well. waiting for you to have the Freddie Swain comment. Uh, so I'll start with the Titans first. Obviously, this was the huge bounce-back game. I thought we'd get a bounce-back from Derrick Henry. I did not expect this. Uh, and he also is a big reason why I won some money on owner's box and, and uh, DraftKings, or FanDuel, I should say, too. So uh, playing in both places. But uh, – Julio Jones was excellent in this game and was even better than the box score because I thought that touchdown that got called back was very questionable on, on review. Uh, but he had a, he looked phenomenal in this game. Andrew Brown looked really bad. Like he had some drops. He it was the polar opposite of last week. I thought Julio mm-hmm. was done when I watched him last week, and yep. AJ Brown looked like the star he is. And today they were and like they flipped the polar opposite people. It was crazy. And they flipped this week. Uh, on the Seattle side, <laughs> I don't know how Tyler Lockett keeps getting that freaking open every week. I just don't know how he's how he does it. It's he is his transformation these last few years has been unreal. Uh, he is a real joy to watch. Eight for one seventy eight and a touchdown. Freddie Swain catches a long touchdown, which really buoys his day. 
Uh, Metcalf been a little bit him, lackluster, Jay. like I was worried about. You I told him before the season started these two games. Yeah. You told him before the season started. Like kid, he's the two there. Eleven yeah, targets in a way, six catches. Yep, and the uh, two the weeks in a row. If he didn't get the end zone last week, it was a dud. Like this week, I'm what this team that's is not now, very good. That's ten games in a row where Metcalf has just kind of been okay. By the way, Chris Carson, I mean, thirteen is, for thirty-one. Yeah, he had a rough, he had a weird rough game here. That's yeah. not only two targets too, or no targets. Excuse me, didn't have one, didn't have a single target. But he had two touchdowns, so I guess he saved his day. But oof. Titans defense the, is awful. Like awful, yeah. awful, awful. These and numbers his defense are not... penalties on for Seattle that kept that kept Tennessee in this game were brutal yeah. at times. It was just it was a weird game for Seattle. I'm 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 not impressed so far. They go to Indy and they beat Indy. I'm not that impressed by that. And then they come home and they they let this Tennessee team back in it and win in overtime. And credit to Tennessee, they could have very easily folded. They get the doors blown off of them at home against the Cardinals. They come up to Seattle. They're down early. Nothing's working. And then Derrick Henry and this offense flips a switch. You got to give them all the credit in the world to get back uh, get back in this one and win it. Save their season, right, guys. Yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, like, yeah no, season. agree. I, like, they yeah, lose agree. this one and go zero and two. Yes, the Colts have lost too, but like in their division's awful. But like it really was almost a safe if, if you could have one in week two. It was a mm-hmm. season yeah. saving game. Well, it also sets up a really nice matchup next week, Colts at Titans. So that should be fun. Which the Colts' season might be on the line. Again, I know it's dramatic, but you fall to 0 3 in that division in two games back. Maybe without other than their first weeks one through five, the Colts have like the worst schedule ever. And then it's pretty good from then on if they have any players left. But we got to yes. see we got to see what Carson Wentz's status is, right? Because if they have Jacob Eason, then yes, this game is even more important this week against yeah. the, the the Titans. Are going to need it. Not that Carson um, Wentz has been a world beater, but yes, no, no, but he's better than Jacob Eason. Yes. yes. Let's talk about what I am very easily calling the game of the day, the primetime matchup, as advertised: Chiefs Ravens. The Ravens finally beat the Chiefs in a, in a big time matchup. This is ev- so from a fantasy perspective. This is everything you expect it to be. Lamar has a big game. Patrick Mahomes has Minus a big game. Tyreek. Kelsey, I, was, I went all in on Lamar and Kelsey in every league I'm in. And it was a little in. Eh. Fun night for you. It was, was not for a while. <laughs> it became a really fun night for but you know why? Because Greg Roman apparently didn't learn when he got ran out of San Francisco for trying to make a running quarterback, a throwing quarterback. And then he let Lamar be Lamar. And they yes. have all this success and win the game. Just let the dude be him. Quit trying to make exactly. him a pocket passer. You have no weapons. You have no receivers to throw to. Let him be him. Two things on this. One would we all agree that this is the closest that this Ravens team has looked to what we think they need to be in order to win? Because they didn't look like this at all in the second half of last season. Kind of. They still can't run the ball as effectively as they did two years ago because their offensive line is significantly worse and their tight end group is significantly worse. But this is the formula. Like you have to, Lamar Jackson is special. Let him do what makes him special because your team is not built to win otherwise. Mm -hmm. Like it's just as simple as that, especially with how banged up they are. And this is, I mean, look, 107 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, another touchdown through the air. Hollywood Brown has taken another step forward this year. I think that part's kind of got lost in all of the dramatics that he looks like a professional now. He came, that rookie season a couple years ago, he came in hurt, had the foot injury, had some drops, couldn't get open, looked a little bit better last year, and it looks like he has taken another step forward this year as a viable option. Uh, I still, again, they still don't, we'll see what happens when Rashad Bateman gets back because I still need somebody else there, and Sammy Watkins isn't going to be that guy. I still think they need another tight Can end. Can be Mark Andrews? Uh, Where's he been for two could, weeks? Could be. He's been eh. Yeah. I mean, 557 is fine, but not what you expect from him. But not I think they need another four. tight end there. They, 
they miss Aiden Hurst. They miss Nick Boyle. Like they missed that combination of having those three guys on the field. But Lamar does it all himself. Mahomes has another huge game. Kelsey, huge game. Um, what? All right. So this goes back to a conversation that I had dating back to last offseason. When do we just accept that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not going to be a thing for fantasy? Like when Fumbles do we do? When, how many games tonight? do we need until we just accept that he is going to be a guy that is a flex play at absolute best? Like yeah. it just. We have a whole. I know if, we had that. Andy Reid's going to be Andy Reid and give other guys t- like touchdowns on goal line carries. Then yeah, yeah. he's not going to be a thing because they're not going to run it. Like, enough. I wonder how the narrative on Edwards Alaire would be different if he didn't have that monster opening season game last year against Houston, where everyone went, "Oh, this guy's this guy," you know, because you have the Damian Williams opt out. People already loved him. Then you got the Damian Williams opt out. Then he has the monster Thursday night opener after the Super Bowl win. And it's really not been anything special since then. Like, I just think we have to stop waiting for him to be a thing. As a fantasy community, we need to say we, he needs to show us more before we continue just to give him the benefit of the doubt with no NFL experience to, t- to take that, that, to give us that doubt. There was a narrative in this game that needs to be talked about because we've talked about it a bunch. It's just Chris Collinsworth decided that it was the other narrative he was going to take, and he sounded like an idiot two weeks in a row. They don't have any other weapons and the Ravens did the absolute perfect thing. He was sitting there giving them credit because these other guys are having big games because they took Tyreek Hill out of the game. Tyreek Hill, three for 14. They doubled him all night. This Ravens defense is not that good. They're, they are the Ravens, but they are not the Ravens of old. They doubled him all night. Marlon Humphreys is a beast. Kelsey's the dude, right? Okay, these are not great games. Pringle, yes, two for 63, caught a big touchdown. Hardman, five for 55, nothing. Robinson, three for 46. They have a bunch of dudes. They don't have another Tyree kill. If you take him out of the game, they have Kelsey. If they don't throw a pick six on the first play, the Ravens really kind of kicked their ass. Yeah. Mahomes had a big game, but they need somebody else. So this offensive line's okay. And they gave them a ton of credit again. We've seen two games from this offensive line, but they keep getting all this credit because they retooled it. It's a work in progress. They need another weapon on this offense for the Chiefs. We've been saying it for two years, Jamie. Yes. And they absolutely do. Look, you're not going to stop Travis Kelsey. Like it's just, it's no. just I think it's physically impossible. So a lot of teams are just going to do this. They're going to say, we'll put all of our attention on Hill. Kelsey can get his seven, eight, nine catches. And we know we're going to give up some. We're playing the Chiefs. We're going to give up 20 plus just by taking the field against them. But yeah, they need other weapons. Clyde, by the way, wasn't the whole reason why you take Clyde Edwards Alaire in the first round was because he could be your premier pass catching back? Wasn't and you don't the throw whole freaking deal at LSU? Patrick Mahomes doesn't like, throw running backs. Unless McKinnon split out wide. Yeah, but even that, I just, and again, it's tough to be too critical of, of the Chiefs team given how much they've won over the last three years. But it is something to kind of note of, like this team has notable flaws that they get bailed out of a lot because their they're top end of their Patrick roster Mahomes has is elite that good. talent. Yes. They get bailed out a lot because he's it's that the, good. It's the Aaron Rodgers. It's the Russell. It's the same thing we used to talk about with Rodgers and Wilson. Like the team, they do so much that they hide a lot of flaws, especially if you're not looking for them. Yep. And the national media loves to avoid the flaws of these elite teams. They always do. It just is what it is. Like they don't, the people thought the perception of the Seahawks, perception of the Packers the, in those runs, perception of the Chiefs are always higher than what they actually are in terms of the rest of their roster. Be, uh, the Colts in, the, in their big run toward the end of the, the luck era where they gave him nobody. Like all of those things, like those pieces get ignored. Yep. Because the elite quarterback play. 
I got two things I want to touch on that are not fantasy related, but since we're talking about this game, the first absolutely love Harbaugh looking at Lamar in that moment on fourth and one and said, Lamar asked his quarterback, not, not, not we're going to go for it. Ask his quarterback, Lamar, you want to go for this? And of course, Lamar gamer that he is going to be like, he didn't even say yes. He said, give me the damn ball. And it was just to, the the fact that they were able to capture that moment on TV. Kudos to NBC awesome. for capturing that because it was amazing. The second thing, and it, it's a little unfair because I don't want to use, I don't want to, you know, take shots at Lamar Jackson, but I'm going to use him as an example here. This taunting rule in the NFL is bad because if Lamar Jackson can front flip into the end zone and not get a taunting penalty, but a guy after making a pick six celebrates in a game and he gets a taunting penalty or he flexes on a, a defensive back that flexes on a player after he makes a big play, that gets a penalty. This is ridiculous. I just don't, I just don't understand what they're trying to do because if you're going to say you want to get rid of taunting, how is what Lamar did front flipping into the end zone on a big touchdown not the definition of taunting? Because he's a quarterback. Yep. End of story. That's all it is. Yeah, it's just, the dumbest again, thing that they've done I, in a while, and that's on, a long list of dumb shit. Lamar, right? No, 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 no. no it's, it's a stupid. It's a stupid rule. Like it, it's it's dumb. It it doesn't do anything. It, it it doesn't have a place in the game. There's you're not getting a competitive advantage by taunting. You're not at a competitive disadvantage. It does nothing for the game. It is just. It is. But it's fun. I don't know. Lamar's yeah. a superstar. If he wants to flip in the damn end zone, go ahead. That ain't hurting nobody. Yeah. But if you're gonna throw the, all these other penalties, which have been ridiculous all weekend, which have been bad, right? Then you gotta throw that one in prime time on a freaking quarterback. It, it's the NFL, like, like it's a long list of dumb shit that they do. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be tops of the list of the dumb shit they've done in a while. One other point I want to make before you get to your last point, Chris, uh, is that this is another example of, and we've given Lamar a lot of credit on the show over the years, but he bounces back from adversity at a high, high level. Whenever he gets kicked in the teeth, he always responds and that takes a lot of that takes a lot of mental fortitude that takes a lot of leadership and that takes a lot of talent and he is a combination of all of that and i think look if he's not that traditional quarterback and i know if we said like if we were starting a franchise today which quarterback would we take he'd be he wouldn't be at the very top of that list but i give him credit for being somebody that is gets always gets back up and always puts the stuff on his shoulders and makes plays and is successful and leads his team when he gets kicked in the teeth and takes all the blame for it. I, I just give him a ton of credit for that because a lot of I, I a lot agree, of players wealth in that scenario. No, I, I agree. I do want to dispel one myth, though. Another thing from this great broadcast from tonight. He makes an unbelievable jump pass throw to Hollywood Brown for the touchdown, okay? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Do you know, yeah. what, do you know what pocket passers do in that situation? They see that the Chiefs completely blow the coverage, and they just make the throw. Yeah. He runs towards the line of scrimmage and then has to because, oh, crap, I didn't see them blow the coverage. I now have to make this unbelievably athletic jump pass, and Twitter goes nuts. He 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 almost screwed the play up. He gets all this credit for making this incredible throw where every other quarterback in the world reads it and says, here, Hollywood, I'm not going to underthrow it. Yeah. I'm just going to throw it to you wide open when they blew the coverage. Like, I love Lamar. I love everything Jamie just said. I love the pass. But, like, don't let, let Lamar be Lamar. That's the perfect example of trying to make him into something he's not. He didn't see it yeah. until he was about to take off running, and then he jumped and made this crazy, ridiculous athletic throw, which he didn't need to do. The the last thing I want to touch on is just if we have any thoughts on Monday Night Football tomorrow night with the game between the, the Lions and the Packers. I think everyone's anticipating a bounce-back performance from the Packers after what happened in New Orleans. So Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, if you've waited to the last moment with those guys in your lineups, you know, you're know you sitting there waiting to, to see them bounce back. And we'll see with this Lions team who showed some fortitude coming back against the 49ers if they're able to use any of that momentum-wise to, to keep this game competitive. I'm against curious the about the Lions. 
I think I know what I'm getting from Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at home on Monday night. Like I, I, unless everybody's right and there's some crazy conspiracy theory about Aaron's in the, in this to tank the, the Packers for one year, which I can't imagine he's going to tank his legacy at the same time. That's just ridiculous. I know what I'm getting there. What am I getting from Swift and what am I getting from Hawkinson, James? Am I going to get the same? Is Hawkinson that dude? Are they going to be smart enough to double him like the Ravens did to Tyree Kill tonight? I mean, I would hope that they would double him because now it looks like Tyra Williams is not going to play. Who's going to beat you? Khalif Raymond? Amon Ross St. Brown? Uh, Quintez Cephas? Yeah, that was my point. Like, like, I mean, I mean, going into the season, like, you play them, you're going to double Hawkinson. Yeah, you can double Hawkinson. They're going to get both running backs involved, and I think they're going to have enough passing volume that DeAndre Swift is going to just again, as I as I mentioned in my preseason, I don't have DeAndre Swift running for a thousand yards. I just think his passing game usage is going to be so high that in PPR he's going to be you know that dude in the top twenty. You know, Chris hates him, uh, but yeah, to me it's this is simple. This is setting up as I said on the Money Down Show earlier today as an fu game for Aaron Rodgers. If it is anything but that. We're going to have to have a talk on our Tuesday podcast about what the hell's going on there. Yep. Because this Lions defense is atrocious. They are banged up. That secondary's hurt and atrocious to begin with. Green Bay is healthy. You have all your guys. You have Devontae Adams. You have Aaron Jones. You have Scantling. You have Tunyon. You have all your pieces. If you at home on Monday night after getting embarrassed on national TV, does not, it does not get you up for this game and you don't put up 35 on the Lions, then we'll talk. So yeah. I, that's what I'm well looking said. for. I, I expect a big game from Devontae. I expect a big game for Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers. I think all of them are going to be great. So if you have any of those guys or you're going up against any of those guys, even if you have a nice little lead there, you might not feel very confident. Uh, you might be on the edge of your seat for, for a lot of Monday Night Football. I'm going to throw oh, another one. Way, I mean, AJ Dillon has a big night. I think yeah, they're running the crap yeah, out of you the second half. The Lions. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest if you didn't have a chance to check it out last week, check out the, the Manning's alternate broadcast this week. Uh, it's on so Monday fun. Football. It's, it's so, so it's really fun. Uh, they bring on an NFL player. And again, th- they'll break down like the film in like real time. Like they'll pull up a play and I'll pay the, the one last week. They're like Peyton Manning, Eli Manning and Russell Wilson breaking down a play like and going back and forth on it. It was excellent. Uh, and also, I can't stand the regular Monday night crew. Just it is what it is. I just can't stand that mm-hmm. crew. So uh, I would strongly encourage you to watch that that feed. I believe it's on ESPN, two. I believe yes. that that is where they put that feed yep. on, or if you know, you could find it in your app, all the other stuff. So a glimpse into two Hall of Famers that are less than average athletes, yeah, and what made them so good, which I say on this show all the time, they play the quarterback position between their ears, and they were two of the greatest to ever do it, and you get a glimpse into that, and it's awesome. And Eli Manning is low key hilarious. Yes, he's like, really he good. He, like he's really good. Monotone, yeah. monotone, monotone, monotone dagger. And then back and like it, it is it is so it, there's yeah. such a it's such a fun dynamic and again it's fun hearing other players like for last week I'm I don't know why I'm just giving them all this promotion time like like ESPN <laughs> needs and Disney needs the help but you know they had Travis Kelsey on and they were talking to him about how the Raiders were using Dar- or, or how you know the the Cowboys were using Darren Waller and like what was going to happen when you know do you how do you look at how the Raiders use Waller versus how the Chiefs use you do you see how like defenses play him like it's really interesting conversation that goes beyond the drivel that unfortunately is a part of these national broadcasts nowadays. By the way, I have one more myth before we get off that. I just saw a little while ago. Please. No, go ahead. If I said that Rob Gronkowski was 32 and that Travis Kelsey turns 32 in October, would that even make sense to you? No. So I've seen this before, but yes, but no, we're not from the first time I heard it. Rob Gronkowski has 104 touchdowns and four Super Bowls. Travis Kelsey has like 56 and one and has never blocked anybody in his life. There is no question who's the greatest tight end of all time. Oh, look, I love Travis Kelsey. He's not the greatest tight end in Chiefs history. That's a very, very good point, Jamie. 
Jamie, well, so, I mean, like, I love, I love Travis Kelsey. I, 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 like, that almost seemed like we set that up. That was so good. Oh, that was very good. Yeah, that like, was very good. Yes. Yeah, like, I, I love Travis Kelsey, but no, he's not. He's not Gronk. He's not Tony Gonzalez. He's not Antonio Gates. You know, he he's not uh, Kellen Winslow Senior. Like, he's just he's great, but he's not those guys. That's going to do it for us. Week two recap here uh, on the NFL fantasy slate. Uh, Jamie's rankings for week three come out Tuesday. I'm going to say with yeah, a Tuesday question morning. mark behind. Okay, so Tuesday morning, you can expect to see those. Um, we are back on Tuesday to break those down, recap Monday Night Football, at least talk about any big storylines from there, and do waiver wire pickups uh, for the Tuesday edition of the show. So before we get out of here, Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Arians NFL on Instagram. Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram and make sure you're checking out the draftnetwork.com tomorrow under the fancy tab and on the draft network's Instagram account for Ryan Fowler's droppable list guys that you can just cut bait on this week. If you're looking for hot waiver wire pickups. So basically my entire team in one of my leagues because I'm yeah. not doing, I'm off to an 0 and 2 start in one of my leagues. It's not going very well. You can follow me on Twitter yeah. at shoe radio SCHU radio. You could follow the show on Twitter at TDN fantasy. Jamie mentioned it, the DraftNetwork.com underneath the fantasy table. Where you can get all of that content. We're back on Tuesday to break down Jamie's rankings. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.